there, Green Future Growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon for just $26.95. And it's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own Organic Oasis um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay, what Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for Mother Earth. Welcome to the Organic Gardener Podcast today. It is Thursday, March 28, 2019. And I have an awesome guest on the line with us today from Rose Creek Farms in Tennessee, Ray Tyler. So welcome to the show, Ray. It is a pleasure to be here. Well, cool. Well, thanks for dealing with my technology problems, and I'm glad we were able to connect. So go ahead and tell yep. listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, uh, like you said, my name is Ray Tyler, and I'm the owner, along with my wife, Ashley, of Rose Creek Farms down here in Selmer, Tennessee, which is basically between Memphis and Nashville. And we're right above the Mississippi border, so it kind of gives you an idea of where we're at. Um, we're kind of in the edge of that zone, seven, zone eight. Uh, it kind of goes back and forth depending on what kind of year we're having. And yeah, we're just down here trying to, uh, you know, uh, trying to grow as much food as we can on one acre and uh, battling the uh, pests that never seem to die and, you know, the endless weeds and the humidity. And we are uh, raising six young children at the same time and having a blast. Holy cow, six young children? You must have had, because I have a yep. note that it says five kids. So you must have a baby yep. or something. We huh? had our sixth. We we do. We have a seven-month-old baby. Uh, and, yeah, so from seven months to ten years old. So it is never a dull moment. Uh, but, the, you know, I think, it, like, how great is that with all those kids to have a farm and a big garden and all these oh, things going around is, and just they're going to be really lucky. Uh, yes, it is the best. And, and you know, as, as they get older, they're, uh, you know, we kind of have this thing with our kids where we don't make them work on the farm just because we've seen too many children who are forced to work on a farm just absolutely hate it. And uh, so... You know, we have this thing where we all do the, the, the house chores, dishes, but when it comes to the farm, um, you know, they only work if they want to, and then we pay them for it. So it's 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 created a really healthy environment for them where they, they look at the, the farm as a very positive, positive aspect of their life. So we're, we're really fortunate, and yeah, every, every year – you know, they, they, they want to make more money and they want to do more things. So it's a uh, 
tremendous uh, joy to kind of see them grow up. And, you know, we're also homeschooling them as well. And um, so, yeah, they're always with us. Now, do you have farm animals? Or do you just have, like, lettuce so and we things? Used to. What have you got all uh, at your place? Yep. Yeah, so we when we first started 10 years ago, we basically ran uh, – you know, we, we had this dream of farming full-time, and, you know, when we first got started, we for the first few years, uh, the farm was just absolute chaos because, you know, you're, you're trying to start a business, plus you're trying to figure out this whole farming thing in the South. We're raising children, and – you know, we we live we have a pretty tough market, so it's not like it's not like in the East Coast or West Coast where everybody's just like local food. It, it's it's a pretty tough gig, um, and we that there's not a lot of information on you know small scale farms in the South, and so we really were just like carving out this this uh, this farm from just not a lot of information that we could find, anyways. And so, you know, we were on two acres. We had, we were doing about two or 3,000 chickens a year, about 300 turkeys a year, 50, 60 hogs. We had a, a few cows at one point, two acres of produce with a tractor. And we were doing it all terribly wrong. And it was just absolute chaos. <laughs> and, you know, we started. But I'll bet it was good yeah, learning was lessons. Just, uh, Oh, we learned a, a ton, so much we, we, we learned. And, you know, we, we got to this point in about 2015 where, you know, when a lot of people start farming or gardening, you know, they have this idea of, you know, we want to have time where we can go out and, you know, work the land with our family we want to get out of the rat race of the eight to five grind, the the commute, um, which is why we decided to farm because we wanted to escape that. Well, fast forward five years, I found myself having less time for my family um, before I started farming than than after. And so, in 2015, we really had this wake up call where it was February. Uh, 2015, and our greenhouses were packed with transplants for two acres worth of you know production. We had our first big batch of broilers on order, you know, and my wife came home with my daughter and she said, "Are you ready for your life to change?" And I said, "Whatever, you know, we're 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 farmers, like you know, nothing's new around here." And she said, "Yeah, well, our daughter uh, has stage four cancer." And just like that, our life oh changed upside down. Yeah, it, it was pretty crazy. Wait, can and I just, so sorry, just to verify, we, like, wait, like, wait, you, the way you first said that, I thought your wife came home from, like, a hospital the day the baby was born, but, like, this must be an older daughter or, like, a child, like. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, yeah, I apologize. So, yeah. No, that's uh, all right. Just so if listeners she was, confused uh, like I am, too. No, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, in kind of a backstory. So, our uh, we we sent our daughter to a dentist. They saw something funky going on in her gums. They sent it off, and it came back positive for squamous cell carcinoma. She was six years old at the time. So wow. that really, uh, yeah, it it was it was it was it was a pretty big deal. 
and we we put the farm on hold in the spring, which was a tough time to do that. And but what it did, it it, uh, it was the best thing that ever happened to us. One, uh, believe it or not, organic farmers can be one of the most uh, worst eaters of all because we're so busy. We're always on the road. We're doing deliveries. We're doing this. We're going to market. And so you end up not spending as much time as you would like in the kitchen cooking for your food. So our health was actually terrible. My health was terrible. I was gaining a tremendous amount of weight, had a lot of ailments. My wife was in the same boat. Um, and so what it did, it, it basically – we, we had to take a step way back and reevaluate everything we were doing, our life, the way we were farming, the way we were raising our children. We had four at the time. And we, we you know, and, and with all the chaos that comes with all those animals and two acres of production and driving uh, our produce two hours away to market and just everything else that was coming with it. So during that time of taking her to the hospital, um, um, which, by the way, our daughter is cancer-free now. So just in case any listeners are wondering, she is. I'm so glad you said uh, that. Great, and we, they, yes, and we, 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 we thank God every day for her life. Um, anyways, so at that season, we were like, you know, what we want at the end of the day is you can have a farm, you can have houses and land and cars. But what is important is that at the end of our days, we, we are surrounded by the ones that we love and that they love us. And we, we kind of reset our whole life based around time with our family. And so we, we brought everything back through this lens of if this takes away time from our end goal – which is have a healthy family. We want to homeschool them. We want to have time in the evenings. We want to go on trips, give them experiences. If anything that we do on the farm takes away from that, then we need to reevaluate if that's what we're truly supposed to be doing at this time. And so the end of, of that 2015 and you know and through that time you know like we questioned should we keep farming like you know cancer is a big deal um you know they gave us a few weeks uh, of, of her to live and you know it, it there's nothing worse for a parent tend to than to be faced with the thought of losing a child um and we're very grateful that we didn't lose her but it, it we we just went you know life is precious it's fleeting you never know if tomorrow or today is our last day. And so at the end of that season, we made this decision to basically get rid of all of our animals because we changed our diet where we weren't eating pork anymore. We went through a very heavy vegetable-based diet to help her recover from cancer. And in that process, we were like, why are we raising these pigs? We're no longer eating them. We ate – we were eating a lot less meat and a lot more produce and – what we found ourselves um, looking at was the animals, raising the animals, processing them was no longer bringing us joy. And so like we imagined our life without the livestock portion of our business, and we went, life would be pretty good if we didn't have to go out 
and feed the pigs every day and process chickens and uh, take care of all these turkeys. And so we just completely sold our livestock part of our business. And we were on two acres of the tractor. I had all the wrong equipment, had no idea what I was doing. So I sold all the tractor equipment and went down to one acre. And previous to, to this time, I knew I had a really big market for lettuce because no one else has grown it here in, in, in the Mid-South. And so I have been developing a lot of techniques on how to have it year-round. But the problem was is I never really had the time to give the proper attention to this crop because it, it needs a lot of focus here in the South. And so what was happening is when we were processing chickens, the lettuce needed to be planted or needed to be cultivated – and I did not give it the proper time and attention that it needed. So what ha happened was when we got rid of all the animals, we went down to one acre, and I really focused on like 10, 15, 20 crops. And what we did is we tripled our um, gross on the produce side of our business on half the amount of land. And for the first time in five years, we – uh, we, we must have doubled our take-home pay. And get this, Holy I was working God. probably 100 – probably working 100 hours a week on the farm. And then in 2016, we made this commitment to ourselves that we were going to only work eight hours a day because I wanted to be home for my children for suppers, and I wanted to – uh, you know, put them to bed and have that quality time in the evening because before I was just beat. I was just toast from the day. So, and so how did you, how were you able to like, do you hire help or like, how were you able to make that change? That sounds like a drastic change. So Farmer working only eight change, hours a day I during think. the season, but uh, then maybe in Tennessee you're in season all year. Season. Uh, yeah, okay. well, so there's, there's this time in August where it's, it's just so hot. I mean, other than greens, uh, there's not, not a whole lot going on. It's like, you know, it's just nothing wants to grow. It's just done. But what, how we did that was we, we already had some accounts that we've been working on for five years. And so what we did instead of, we were very, very um, deliberate about what we were going to grow and how much because we wanted to make sure what we grew we could sell. See, growing is the easy part. Selling is the hard part. So based on the previous five years worth of sales you know, and records and what we knew we could sell, we just planted those crops. And so we used to grow 80 varieties of vegetables where we cut out all that um, – all that waste, and we grew like the top 10, 15, at some point it's probably 20 crops that we knew we could sell at that time of the year. And so it simplified everything. Another thing that we did, and, and, and we still do to this, to this day on certain times of the year, is what killed us previously was weeds, just tremendous is like the weed acopolis down here in the south. And so we invested in like $2,000 worth of landscape fabric. We got automated um, irrigation. And so I think I clocked in, aside from carrots, 10 hours of cultivation for the whole season. Because 
all the transplants were on landscape fabric. And so literally laid it on fabric, you plant, you set up automatic water, and the next thing you do is harvest and sell. And so we just eliminated hundreds and hundreds of hours of hand watering and hand cultivation by implementing those two basic uh, principles on our farm. So it changed everything. And knowing that we were only growing crops that we knew had we had a market for, it just streamlined our whole process. And so, I mean, there's a lot more complicated things that went on to that, obviously. Um, but that's like the, the the basic things that really set us up. And 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 I did spend about fifteen hundred dollars in various consulting for my business, um, different things. I'm a really big believer in investing in education. Um, you know, I've got four kids, and so yes, I could figure this out. But like, I want to make this thing happen this year, and so that investment in education really helped. Combined with my previous experience, knowing what I could do. It was it, it it paid off very 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 quickly. So so how did, a, like a can I just ask episode. like did you hire like a personal mentor? You took like G Martin Fortier's class or like a combination or like did you have somebody come and say like go through your books or like what what did that look like? Yeah, um, so a, a number of things. Uh, I did a series of phone consultations. Um, with a, uh, grower, his name was Curtis Stone. Um, and that, that was definitely, um, and what, what he kind of did was basically take a look at our farm, look at everything we were doing and just kind of help us. He didn't really tell us what to do. He just basically asked us some questions of like, um, you know, should you be doing this? Have you considered this? Um, so it wasn't really, you know, I, I, already knew what to do, but it was just having that sounding board really helped a lot. And then I um, did another series of consulting with someone, um, you know, because me and my wife farm together. And so I, I got some really good tips of like, you know, farming with a partner. Um, you know, and that was really the biggest thing. I, I did have uh, – this is an interesting thing – is at the end of 2015, I hired JM to come down to my farm, and I ended up selling uh, – because you know, it, was, it was pretty expensive. Um, so I ended up selling tickets for that event, um, You know, sold out within just a very short amount of time. Um, the idea was for him to kind of like give me some tips – uh, on my farm, but since I spent so much time organizing this event, I didn't, you know, aside from just, um, you know, we, be, we became great friends during that time, but I didn't quite get the consulting that I was hoping to get because I was too busy organizing uh, this event, you know, all kinds of people had come, and so we had, uh, you know, doing workshops on a farm is a tremendous amount of work. So it, w it, was, it was a mixture of all that. And but more importantly, it wasn't really what we did. It was what we did not do. So if you could imagine when you drop a pretty large animal business, all of a sudden it opens up a tremendous amount of time and not only time of the day, but just, you know, it having that other business took up a lot of brainwave of 
Where is this going to be sold? You know, you're dealing with problems all the time. And so I was able to put that time towards my produce production. And when you go from two acres to one acre, like it just makes things very, very, very simple. So you can imagine when you go from chaos to order, it really makes things very uh, easy to metabolize how all this is going to work. And mind you, I had five years of experience before, so I had a pretty good idea of what I was doing when, it, in terms of growing. Um, it was just really taking out the fat and really leaning and, uh, you know, being deliberate about what to grow and then just getting some other help um, looking at the whole system. Hopefully that answers your question. Well, this is like, you have no idea how fascinating this is to me, right? Because like my husband and I are drooling over this 175 acre farm in Maine that has 13 acres of farmland. It's 175 acres of woods or whatever, you know, oh. like land, but it's 13 acres of farmland. Okay. Yep. Yep. But yep. we like our place right nice. now, we have 20 acres with like a quarter of an acre that we just grow for us. And that's right. Like, I know nothing. I'm like, I, and so you're like giving me so many ideas, like reach out to other farmers. Like it actually, the land, I guess is like a hundred yes. is less than a hundred miles or like 60 miles from like where Johnny seed company is like, and it's a huge oh organic goodness. farming that's, community. That's amazing. And it's just, it's got this that's house. Amazing. That's all needs a ton of work, but I feel like this house that's could right. make an awesome education center. And yes, we are 100%. just like, and I'm like, 100%. what do I do? I have no idea. Like I've never, we've, I mean, my husband grew up on a 1200 acre ranch. We have the last 20 of it actually It's so hard to imagine wow. ever leaving. Like he built our house and everything, but oh my goodness! on the flip side to be in the, to have our own 175 acres. Cause we're just like, you know, like he, like I said, you know, he had 1200 acres. He used to run his horse and now we're like boxed in. There's people like right outside my kitchen window, like constantly to road right next to my house and just it's just plus just the whole thought of being able but i have no idea i'm like like i'm talking to the realtor and i'm like well aren't there like any records like if, if there's 13 acres of alfalfa what were they doing with the alfalfa were they selling it and like so now i feel like that's what i need to do i need to like find somebody maybe close to that area who has a farm and maybe offer to pay them to kind of go through like give me an idea of like what would i do Right. 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 And, 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 and this is where I think, uh, you know, I, I, I do a, quite a bit of consulting myself. And so the way I approach this is, is you have to, you have to know what is your end goal? Like, what are you trying to accomplish with your farm? You know, and there, there, there's no wrong goals. You know, some people it's, I want to make a living. Some people is like, I just want a place for my children to to work, maybe make a little side income. Some is, I want to preserve this property. You know, I don't need it to make money. I, I, I have money. I just want it to produce food, right? So there's so many ways. Um, I mean, I've, I've consulted for, you know, people who have nothing and, you know, multimillionaires and a lot of it is just understanding what your goal is and then working your way back. So like for you, if you're – if this idea is to make an income, then it's like, well, how much money do you have to make? What's your bills? Because a lot of that 
has to play in like, you know, there's, you know, I, I don't promote uh, a tractor or no tractor. It's really of like, you know, what's your DNA? Like, are you an entrepreneur? You know, are you a hobby gardener? There's so many different end goals. And I think understanding what is your end goal um, is going to play a huge part in how your farm ultimately um, produces, how it runs. You know, if you don't if you don't like working with people in your one man show, it's going to be a completely different operation than someone who just wants to be surrounded by fifteen employees. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. You know, if you have, let's just say, a two hundred acre farm, and you have a mortgage on that property, and you want to build a house, like, and you want to this property to make a hundred percent of that income and you have no on farm off farm income, like you're going to have to approach it a completely different way versus the person who's like, you know, um, I don't need it to pay my mortgage, but in 10 years, I would like it to make $300,000 a year. Then you have 10 years to invest in infrastructure, equipment, building a team. You have time, you know, because if you're in Maine, uh, it's like, if everybody's a gardener and everybody's a farmer, then it you could have a tough time of it trying to sell all that produce. Where if you're in the middle of nowhere and there's no farmers around, it could be easier, but you could have a lot harder time to grow. So, you know, the, these things are are difficult to work through, but um, – you know, it, it's it's a lot of fun starting with the blank canvas because it can go in any direction. We want to grow hemp and sunflowers and fruit. There you go. So so then the, those are my big ones. Yeah, you know I I, I tell you what I love. You know uh, I think this whole sunflower agritourism field is a huge opportunity for folks who have large plots of land. Or even medium plots of land. Like if you have a five acre plot. Wait, what's a sunflower agriculturism field? What's that? So it, it's where you can grow. So it's like you're going to grow an acre of sunflowers, right? And then you're going to charge five, ten dollars a person for them to go in there and take pictures of themselves in a field of sunflowers. Like, I mean. And people are uh, doing that. I want to grow the sunflowers for birdseed. Oh, yes. But okay. I had no I, idea. I'm not sure about that. Oh, yeah. I but mean, those could complement each you know, other because the seeds come way after the flowers are born. Absolutely. absolutely. And then I don't have to worry about cutting totally them for bouquets. But 100%. I had no idea. There's an agritourism for sunflower field oh, pictures. Oh, um, at least here in my area like like in the south is tremendous i mean you got all these young people you know who want to have this uh you know that they they want to post themselves or their uh you know their partner in a, in a field of sunflowers and post on instagram like people will pay big money for that picture so if you can have a beautiful farm and this beautiful field of sunflowers you could charge people just to go in there and take pictures of themselves. Or maybe you can hire a photographer, professional ones, and they can take pictures of other people in your corn in your sunflower field. 
you know, there's there's so many. I mean, yeah. I feel like we see, live in the it most comes with this huge house that time. I feel like would be a great that we could turn into a giant education center and like we could teach like, Absolutely. you know, have workshops like you're talking about and yes. have, um, you know, like because I'm yep. my degree is elementary education. And then, you know, like our goal is just to teach as many people about organic gardening as we possibly can. Yep. Yep. No, it's huge. I mean, it's here's the thing term. is that um, I'm, you know, obviously, um, you know, I, I do a number of, of online education, but I um, my favorite is the on farm education. I've hosted a numerous amounts of on farm workshops for the past eight years. And people are a, a lot of people are very hands-on visual learners. Like they want to go and see a farm or a garden, and they want to see what you're talking about. Like the, the, they want to see what kind of water you have, what kind of uh, um, spacings you're working with, what kind of t- tools. Like you know, especially farmers who are looking at buying, like let's just say, five thousand dollars worth of tools. There's hundreds of different kinds of tools out there, and they want to go feel it, or they really want to see how is a high tunnel or a greenhouse set up. Like they want to go there in person, and yeah, well, you um, never know. You don't even know that things exist till you go see things like that. Like when I went to Mandy Gertz, the farm tour at Lower Valley, like two years ago, I still like so much of that just seems. Yeah, you can really learn things and see how things are done. And like she keep talked about that BCS tractor, you know, the hand tractor. BCS, yep, yep. Um, yep. But I anyway, yep, yep. We have actually been talking for thirty minutes, and I haven't even asked you my very first question, which is like, what was your very <laughs> first gardening experience like? Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Did you grow up gardening? Like, who were you with, and what did you grow? Yeah, I mean, um, I th- I think my earliest time of growing was that I remember was actually growing sunflowers, and I was twelve <laughs> years old, and uh, we 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 had we had just moved to Tennessee, and it was a neighbor's little garden patch. They grew, you know, just a bunch of okra and, and different various things, and you know, I had no experience whatsoever. But uh, they they had this triple thirteen, I think, uh, just you know, chemical fertilizer. And I was like, oh, I want these babies to grow, and so I went out there and just dumped all this fertilizer. And the next day, there was not a trace of sunflowers to be seen, and they, they were probably Aww. like an inch or two tall, so they had just germinated. And I completely burned them, disintegrated, and so that was my first experience with uh farming but also i you know i saw firsthand of what conventional uh you know farming and chemicals can do to plants i was like wow this is just crazy uh but that that was my first experience and that was just for like a a few week experience like i i did not do any serious um farming or gardening really after that me here and there but it was really nothing uh, but I remember just the feeling of like, you know, the bare soil, cool soil and the bare feet when I was 12. Like it just, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was in love. Um, but you know, now, did you that, grow up where was, you are in Tennessee or did you grow up somewhere else? My dad was in the Navy, so we traveled all over the country. Oh, um, but we, we settled here in Tennessee when I was 12. 
and I've, I've been here ever since. And then, yep, uh, we, were, we, were, we were actually on, on our way to Mexico, and our car broke down, and and uh, we've been here ever since. So that that's how that happened. <laughs> that's a great story. So I can take us out if you don't want, and six kids maybe not. But are you a rock star millennial? Like, were you born between nineteen eighty and nineteen ninety five? I was born 1981. You are awesome. So I'm writing this book about the rock star millennials I interviewed on my show. So that's awesome because I love millennials and they okay. have such a they get such a bad rap and just like look at what a great look at all these cool things right. you've taught us and how much you've got going on and what you've learned and what you're sharing and just what you're doing. So then, how did you learn how to garden organically? Then was it like from that experience or like? when you started your farm, you were just like, this is what I'm going to do or. Yeah. Um, I, I think what it was, was, um, you know, in 2009, I had this chance. My, my wife basically wanted a little patch so she could put away some salsa. So I was like, ah, oh, sure. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll grow a, a few plants. Well, there was more weeds than plants. Like little, the weeds were just like six feet tall. You couldn't even see the plants. Um, but after that, I was like, you know what? I, I really love this thing, and I just wonder if there's any farms around. I couldn't find anything really around my area, but I knew of this farmer. He was about four or five hours away in Kentucky, and I went and visited him, and I saw his farm, and I, I saw – it was like November, and I think I saw like a Skyfos or Panisi lettuce, and I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. Well, I hired him to come down to my farm for two days, and basically – Basically helped me get my farm set up. So we, you know, got a high tunnel. He told me how to plant it out, exactly when to plant the seed, when to transplant, what variety. Um, you know, I, I didn't know what to really ask him, but you know, he he taught me all he could in two days. And that bait, and he was, you know, he he grew organically, and so that's what really got me started um, in farming. And so. So he just in two days uh, from from that from that workshop, I just uh, you know been just with a lot of mistakes and failures. Uh, you know, it's every year you just grow better and better. But I definitely um, can't thank him enough for his uh, for, for that two day workshop. Awesome! This is so such great advice because even if it's like on the small scale and you just have a backyard garden. It's always good if you go somewhere new to go talk to somebody else who's growing in that area like you are. Or like yes. if you're like, yep. cause Mike and I always talk about, we want to go from like, his goal is to grow as much food for us. So like to totally like, he's pretty much wiped out our produce bill from August to November. You know, if we can go the That's whole amazing. year eventually, which yeah, it's just yep, huge yep. how much he's grown on this little, I feel like the first year he planted the mini farm, he like increased our food by like a quarter. And like last year it was like tenfold. I mean, that he'd ever grown. It's just how much he, um, so anyway, w tell us about something that did grow well this year. Uh, let's see this. I would say, you know, one thing that really did well this past year was, uh, bok choy really did well on the bok choy. And we've, uh, yeah, so that, that, that was, that, that was a pretty fun, um, you know, now I'm at the point of my, my farming career where I'm, I'm just trying all kinds of veggies that typically does not grow in our area just to see of like, what what, what can be done, you know? So then 
I have we talked about this? Like, how do you sell your stuff? Do you sell it to grocery stores or CSA or farmers market or combination? Did we get into that? Yeah, no, we haven't. So I'm okay. selling mine to. I have a CSA. I sell it to grocery stores, farmers markets, restaurants. I have an online Shopify store. I, uh, you know, we do on farm delivery. And I'll do some home deliveries, but you know it has to be a, a certain amount. Um, but yeah, that's basically, you know, basically whoever will buy, we will sell to. Wow, uh, that's a lot of different places. And are you still driving two hours to the farmers market? Yes. Wait, was that on yep. there? Um, well, we, we drive. We we drive an hour to a farmer's market. Well, I, I have two farmer's market. One is two and a half hours away. One is an hour away. But the majority of my produce goes to Memphis, which is two hours away. Wow. So two hours one way and two hours back. So four hours of just driving yep. and you make enough money to cover all that oh, yeah. and everything. Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. No, no question. Yep. So what's yeah, something- Again, it's only one, once a week, so it's not too bad. True. Uh, and then, but you do one week, you go to the one farmer's market and one day you go to a different farmer's market. Yeah. So what I have is, is, is I have someone that I pay to go to one market and then I go to the other. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, how about something new or different you're excited to try next year? Um, next year. I mean, we, we grow 52 weeks a year. So I think this year, I'm trying to think of something new. I am looking, I mean, I've grown, I mean, I haven't grown like artichokes or, I mean, there's a few things I haven't grown, but one thing I'm excited about trying to grow. So here's my, my passion is, can I have a crop uh, all year round consistently? So one thing I'm going to be working really hard on this year, which we, we, we lack about uh, eight weeks out of the season that we can't grow it, and that's spinach. So we're really pushing the spinach pretty hard. The summer, we got some ideas, things that we tried last year that worked well, so we're going to hopefully try to do that again. Um, so that's a crop that we're really excited about really diving into to have you know all 52 weeks a year. Another one would be uh, you know cilantro, uh, really popular herb down in the south. Um, you know, it's a pretty big Mexican, um, food culture down here. And so that, that, that's a pretty big high in demand, um, herb. And, you know, I have cilantro for most of the season, but I'm really looking at having that all year round because I, I've, I have nine tunnels and, you know, an acre worth of, of land. So I, I can definitely push it pretty hard all season. So, so I would say those two crops are definitely. Can I ask about. you, like, one of the things my listeners ask about, and like, we kind of like, I really looked at last year when I was picking my kale and thinking about taking it to town to sell. What I pick and I'm willing to eat is very different than what somebody is going to like. What are you doing for pests for things like cilantro and spinach and yep. like all those kind of things? Yep. Yep. So uh, I think it depends what it is. So like, let's just say aphids, which is going to be a problem in the wintertime on spinach and lettuce and probably probably kale and collards and chard. 
is, you know, safer soap works really well, which is an organic soap. And uh, that that works really well. I would say our number one pest would be flea beetles, which you can use an organic um, spray called uh, Pyganic. You can get it from like Donnie Seeds and, you know, probably any other kind of like organic stores. There's another uh, spray that I really like. It's called Molt X, and it doesn't kill the bugs. What it does is it, it kind of just slows them down. Um, and um, really, and so what it does is basically it kind of makes them sluggish where they, they stop eating, basically. And then they they, they kind of die off. So I like the Malt X because it's not um, not really killing anything, but it's it's just slowing them down. So, and we we try. So we we have we have two methods when it comes to spraying. One, we don't like to spray unless we have to, even if it is organic. Um, just one, it's, it's a hassle to have to spray. And two, like if we see something like a flea beetle, which will completely decimate a crop. Um, and for us, especially in the summertime, you know, our heat index down here is 120 degrees in, in the summertime. And uh, we have like a very tough time. Oh, we, oh, and we are. And, I mean, our flea beetles just come out in droves. And so if you don't do an organic spray like that, you cannot grow things like bok choy. You cannot grow things like, you know, kale and collards and chard and arugula and baby kale and mustard greens. Like you just might as well not grow those crops. So if you want to have the if you want to have those crops in the south, you know, things like turnips and radishes, you have to do either insect netting, which which can be effective. But the problem is in our summers, it's so hot and humid that the crops just melt. I mean, literally, they'll just completely dissolve in the soil. And so, what we have found, the uh, it's either you know we use things like safer soap and pyganic, or we just don't grow those crops at all. So, I think folks who are listening who are in the south who have those pests, uh, you can definitely try the insect netting, but. You may have a hard time with that if you're in really hot, humid climates, where then you know using some of those organic sprays is probably your best option. Excellent. Uh, do you want to tell us about something that didn't work so well for you? Something that didn't See, go the way you thought it was gonna, or. Uh, I mean, we always have, you know, every year we have some crop failures. I would say, just trying to think here of a crop that right off hand that did not do so well. I would say we definitely had a tough time with our mustard last year. Um, yeah, it was kind of one of those things of like, I'm not sure if we want to keep growing this. It was kind of a hard sell and... You know, it just gets so hot. The flavor was off. So that that's definitely a crop that we're like, uh, do we keep growing it? Not, not too excited about it. We just may end up dropping it. Before we get to the root of things, we're going to thank our sponsors and affiliate links. Do you love to listen to audio as much as I do? Have you ever tried an audio book? As a fan of this podcast, you must already enjoy listening to stories just like the other green future growers. 
Well, the Organic Gardener podcast has teamed up with Audible to offer you a free audio book. Just go to www.organicgardenerpodcast forward slash book or type book into the search bar at the organicgardenerpodcast.com and you can get listening to your first audio book today. Well, this isn't a part of the show I call, like, getting to the root of things. It's kind of like a lightning round in other shows, maybe. Uh, do you have, like, yep, a least yep. favorite activity to do in the garden that you got to kind of force yourself to get out there and do? Maybe spring? <laughs> I would say, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, spring is probably my least favorite. Um, I would say I I'm not a big fan of pulling or cultivating necessarily um so i mean th there are some times of the year that i enjoy it but for the most part it, it's definitely not a favorite activity i would say um yeah so okay on the flip side I'm trying to think of another thing oh oh oh, oh I, I know the the least favorite activity without a doubt and all my employees and my family would, would agree and that is picking okra I don't know if okra grows up there in Montana, but it grows very, very, very well down in the south. It's very popular, but it is not fun to harvest. Like it just gets all itchy and it's sweaty and uh, grows tall. And um, you know, it, it's 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 a fun crop to eat, and uh, you know, it's a fairly profitable crop in the south. But it is by far like I, I've had people who are like, I will work for you. But I will like if I have to pick okra, I'm gonna quit. Wow. <laughs> so uh, it's it's uh, yeah, and, and you know, and we we paid almost double. So basically, in order for us to hire someone to to pick okra, we have to pay them double pay. That's uh, the way that works. I know somebody who's growing okra here in Montana. As a, uh, she grew some last year, and she's growing more this year. So um, she said she couldn't. Like, the kids were just eating it like crazy. She couldn't even like sell it because they just, her family ate so much of it. That's uh, awesome. That's great. Yeah. So on the flip side, what is your favorite activity to do in the garden? I I really enjoy harvesting. That's probably my my favorite. There's something about, uh, especially when it's a really good crop, and it looks good. It's easy to pick. Uh, I definitely find a lot of satisfaction. I, I, I harvest a lot less now than I used to just because I have other people to do it for me. But uh, that that's a very rewarding because, you know, you prep the ground. You took care of the soil. You kept the bugs away. You you really took care to grow the – you know, you had your water dialed in. You know, harvesting, like, say, lettuce in August is very, very satisfying. No one else has it. And um, it looks good. It's sweet, and it's you know very healthy looking. I would say that is a very very good feeling. 
Okay, so while we're here, I found you because you were teaching a thing on succession lettuce and how to like. Do you want to give some tips yep. and promote that yep. class and talk sure. about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, where that came from is, you know, we've been to, uh, when when I first started farming in 2009, 10, I was told that it was impossible to grow lettuce in the summer here. Well, what I found was that we had a tremendous demand for it. So from an economical point, it was like, I have to figure out how to grow this year round because this can literally pay my, my grocery bill. And we spent tens of thousands of dollars in trials and varieties and methods and all kinds of stuff to where by the uh, summer of 2015, I had lettuce every week of the summer. So we, we've gotten a lot of attention from having that, you know, all 52 weeks a year. And I've done a lot of consulting on that on that crop. And I just got to the point of like, you know, um, you know, did a lot of on-farm workshops on the crop and just got to the point where I could not uh, teach everybody. I have a waiting list on my workshops. They all, for the most part, sell out. And, um, you know, there a lot of my methods is pretty – like it's very systematized. So there's a lot of systems that I have that makes it pretty easy if you just follow this system or this, this, uh, this setup – you too can learn how to grow this year round um, in, in a really hot environment. So I basically just put all this information together, did a just um, many, many hours of video and all of our supplies and our techniques and our templates and, and made this really well uh, rounded course that people can basically take. And then I'm available once a week with like basically like a coaching call helping people to successfully have lettuce year round. That's my, that's my big thing. Like it's one of those crops that if you can devote a little bit of time to an effort and put some money into it, um, you know, for folks who are looking at, you know, gr possibly making some money from their backyard or their farm, they can really um, escalate their sales pretty quickly by kind of following these steps that I've kind of put together. So that, that's where I now teach this, 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 this lettuce class, you know, it's online. You take the course. I, I do coaching calls once a week with these folks and, um, it, it's been very, very well received. And I, I've, I've really seen a lot of folks, uh, do really, really well with their production from, from kind of following these uh, these steps that kind of came up with the past really 10 years of uh, failing, right? Because, I mean, uh, that's what, what better way to learn than to make a mistake and change and adapt. And, um, you know, it's all about doing better. So that, that that's kind of like what I, I'm definitely spending a good amount of my time now is really helping people not only with, with lettuce, but, you know, I farm, you know, 50 different other crops too. Uh, but now, that's kind of the the one thing that we definitely got known for. But does that is that just basically for people in the south? But like I know one of our challenges is like things like spinach and lettuce will bolt right away anyway because like we can go from 
you know, June cold, cool to like all of a sudden super hot days and like spinach can last two weeks. Yep. And like, that's one of Mike's big complaints right. about not being able to get things in the ground soon enough. Like our ground, like there's still a ton of snow on our ground this year. We got hit. We had below zero days at the beginning of March this year, which is crazy and got most of our Dang snow um, at the end of that's February. That's amazing. And so Mike's like, you know, what's going to happen now? My spinach is going to bolt right away. If I can't even put it in the ground till now. He's like, I know we're gonna yeah, get hit. So, so, so uh, yep. And, and and this is where doing succession plantings is really important. So, for like spinach, we do a lot of spinach. So every two weeks, you should be doing, you should be seeding a small batch of spinach to help it. Because what happens is when it gets really hot, that that greens is going to get stressed and. Um, when a plant, when when a green like a lettuce or a spinach or any kind of greens gets stressed, either from water or rapid fluctuation of temperature, it's going to basically, hey, it is time to reproduce before we die, and it's going to bolt. And so that's what's going on. So what you want to do in that case is you want to, uh, if you want to have consistent. Uh, lettuce or greens, you need to be always seeding and or transplanting every week or every other week. So th- that's a way to keep your spinach ongoing because if you're you're right. I mean, and that and that's what kills us in the South. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you have a stressful environment, it's gonna bolt. Ray, what's the best gardening advice you've ever received? I would say um, work smarter, not harder. Okay. That was that was the best advice I've ever received. Yep. Uh, what's your favorite tool? Like, if you had to move and could only lose and could only take one tool with you, what could you not live without? Oh, oh man, I would say landscape fabric. Hmm, interesting. Okay, you're the first one that said that. I like that. Uh, how about yep. what's your favorite recipe to eat from the garden? All right. So my wife and and I I I can um, email this to you if you want to share it with with your listeners. So whenever we um, started this new diet, we were uh, we ate two salads a day, all kinds of salads. And, you know, we have six young kids, so we wanted to create a dressing that would help us metabolize this, you know, all these salads that was healthy. It was a whole food, something that the whole family would enjoy because, you know, kids don't really like salads that much. So my wife created this dressing that we put on our salads. It doesn't matter what it could be, kale, you know, chard, uh, lettuce, spinach, whatever, but this dressing – I'm makes so excited. Our salads just in like incre- and and everybody who's had this dress is like this is the this makes sa- eating salads a blast. So that that recipe has changed our life. So like what are some things in it? I've spent a fortune so it's, on it's, salad. It's basically dressing. I love salad dressing. Oh yeah. I'm a big salad. I mean eater. It, 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 it's it's a yeah, we are too. We probably eat five, ten pounds of salad mix a, a week, um, but it's basically it's got olive oil, it's got lemon, it's got whole 
garlic. So you don't want to use garlic powder. You want to use real raw garlic, real raw um, whole onions, parsley, um, some other simple uh, ingredients, which I'll I'll include. Um, I can send to you so you can show. Does it have like a vinegar? Like is it a but uh, that vinaigrette type, or it's just like an an oil based? It is an oil based. Hmm. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. And let me see if I can find. Oh, I guess it has lemon, so I can see lemon instead of the vinegar. Uh, yep. So here, here it is. It's four cups of so, uh, and and it's really important that you use a Vitamix or a really good high quality blender. So here it is. It's uh, four cups of olive oil, one cup of apple cider vinegar, one cup of lemon juice or lime, one whole onion, which uh, we just cut that into fourths, eight cloves of garlic, and then you want to blend that above. Um, a list of ingredients in a Vitamix until thoroughly pureed. So that's important. And then after that's fully pureed, then you want to gently pulse in one tablespoon of oregano, one tablespoon of parsley, and it's best if that could be fresh, and one tablespoon of salt and one tablespoon of thyme. And we found that it's important that those herbs can be fresh. So if you have a garden, that's really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, so if you can do that in a Vitamix, that is a tremendous dressing. And we have uh, everyone that we fed this to, just everybody loves it. And so this can really, like, if you want to eat more greens in your diet, you want to have more kale and more lettuce, um, you know, this is a great healthy way you know there's no processed sugars or you know gluten-free um this is a you know there's no dairy so this is a really great way to have healthy this is all really really good food and it's all raw like nothing is cooked nothing's processed and um so then yeah my this, this, next this question is, is a, like, um, do you keep it in the fridge or you keep it on the shelf like do you have a hard time with that? Because like I make a dressing kind of like that, but a little different. But if I put it in the fridge, it like gets all hard, and and then I go. Yeah, you yep. can shake just, it up. Just, but... just... Yeah, just Where... leave it on the counter. You do leave it on the counter. Cool. Awesome. I mean, yep. Yeah, yeah. Leave it on the counter. Yep. Because I mean, there, there's there's no uh, there's no dairy in this to go bad. It's just not like a ranch dressing, right? So this is this is pretty. Or, you know, some kind of homemade ranch, which is, I think, going to be cream-based. So right. this is all just whole food. So, yeah. you know, obviously it's it's not going to last um, long, so maybe a week at the most. So oh. if you're one person, then maybe you want to cut this in fourths. You know, I don't know. You know, it kind of all depends. But we can usually go through all this in about – we go through two batches of this in a week. Wow. Because, again, we're feeding, you know, well, yeah, we, we have, yeah, you, you know, do have a big family. five, uh, yeah, we have a big family. So we're, we're all eating salads almost every day. So what's your favorite internet resource? Where do you like to surf on the web? Um, I've been, uh, that's a good question. Um, I've been really looking at, um, you know, it, it's hard to research. I, I think probably more of, uh, you know, if you look at 
there's not a lot of places in the South that have done a lot of research. So I'm just basically looking at, you know, maybe universities or uh, California based kind of growers uh information you know they there's a lot more money in california for studies and trials and diseases you know they've a lot of those folks in california have reached out to other farmers abroad or even around the world so that's so yeah i'm i'm definitely nerding out on um california agriculture i'm, I'm pretty fascinated interesting do you ever go to like joe the gardener you know joe lample i know he's like a backyard gardener but he's atlanta is south and he's probably got a lot of interesting pest information do you know who i'm talking about um i have not he's on nope. like um he's I'm, usually I'm on tv up. for growing a greener world but he's kind of a backyard gardener ah uh, i i know the, the greener world yep yeah um, uh, how about a favorite yeah. reading material, like just, a book or a magazine? Uh, I would say there's the um, the Produce Growers magazine. I like that a lot. Um, there's a lot of research in there. Um, you know, it deals with a lot of you know diseases. Uh, in that magazine, there's like food trends. So. You know, in in my in my work, I'm you know I'm I'm the the sales guy for for our business, and so I'm always looking at like what are what are some of the trends, where's it going, what are some crops that I should be looking at. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying that. So there's that that's probably one that uh, I really like. There's another one that's called Growing for Market. It's yeah. a really good magazine for like small farms. That's a fantastic one as well. I just interviewed Andrew Mefford, who's who's the new editor. Of oh, he's great guy. Yep. Yeah, great guy. Uh, Absolutely. And he lives right near that property I want to buy. He's like forty minutes away. Oh, okay. Um. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, are you ready for my final question, Ray? Like, is there anything you want to say that I, I haven't like brought up or anything? Nope. And, uh, um, <laughs> no, no, I, I'm good. I mean, I, 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 I can definitely t talk a long time about different subjects, so it's better that I don't get started in okay. another rapid trail. I know, because you're probably busy, and we've been on for an hour, and so, uh, so here's my last one. It's kind of a doozy. So, Ray, if there's one change you okay. would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity organization you're passionate about, or a project you'd like to see put in action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? Ooh, that is a that is a good deep question. That's my I, favorite I'm question. I'm more on the show. of <laughs> yeah, no. So so no, the, 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 this is fantastic. I would say that it's hard for. I don't see myself changing the whole world, right? That's 7 billion people. But what I can do is I can make an impact in my local community. So I would say more of maybe there's some organization that could help more people take responsibility for their community. So – 
um, you know, that are so uh, there are so many issues and problems in the world where if 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 you could see all the issues and all the suffering in the world at one time, like you would probably physically die. Like it's just too much hurt in the world. But what you can do is you can take responsibility for your family. Well, first for yourself, right? Because uh, we don't have a lot. We don't have any business changing the world unless we we get our own house in order. So I think that's got to be first and foremost. Foremost. But then it's like, can we change our local community? Because what that will do is that creates ripple effects. Because if you can change. Uh, an aspect in your community, then that will inspire other people abroad to do the same thing. So I think having more of like this global community where you have thousands of people, um, you know, impacting their local communities, I, th- I think a lot can happen in that way. And it's 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 not like it's very very doable. So let's just say if we want to see more people eat healthy. Um, you know, I think if we can all grow healthy food where our local community has access to good health, healthy food and more people do that abroad, that, that can, that can really make a tremendous impact. So first take a responsibility for your own person, your household, and then your community. And then, then you may have a chance on impacting the world. Awesome. I love that. Okay, so just finally, do you have like an inspirational tip or quote to help motivate listeners to reach into the dirt and start their own garden? Start with what you have right now. Perfect. Do you want to tell everybody how to connect with you? Find your website and whatnot? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Um, Our website, you can find us on www.rosecreekfarms.net. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Rose Creek Farms, all those things. You can uh, email me right at rosecreekfarms.net, and I'm, I'm happy to answer questions, and hopefully uh, we can meet in the, in the uh, near future. Cool. Well, I hope I get to meet you someday when we're having a huge rock star millennial celebration, so... Uh, yeah, I just there think you go. You there you best. go. So, did you? I was going to ask you this. Did you go to like business school or something? Like, where did you get this like incredible business sense and stuff just from studying people and learning or like traveling around with your dad in the Navy? Like, yeah. you, you seem to have like this huge business mindset. Um, I would say it's more of just, uh, it, it kind of came. So, I, I have a terrible education. But my dad taught me how to learn, and I wanted to have a business that could support my family, and so I just learned from you know uh, books and courses, and you know there's a lot of education out there. If you're willing to search and pay for it, you can learn a tremendous amount. Without having to go to school, so I, that that's really how I've um, acquired um, what I know now, which is always expanding. Like I, I feel like I've just barely scratched the surface of what can really be accomplished. So uh, yeah, I would say um, just highly encourage your listeners to you know invest in their education. 
Um, even if you have a degree, a college degree, like it, it doesn't stop there. Like just keep learning, keep expanding, challenge yourself. And, uh, there, there's a lot of opportunity out there for everybody. Awesome. I love that total belief in abundance. I'm definitely an abundance, not a scarcity girl. So, uh, there is, uh, there is enough for everybody to go around enough for everybody. Sure. Well, cool. We'll say hi to your wife and thanks for taking time to talk to us today and sharing all of this and um, just keep going and being a rock star and taking care of our planet and feeding people and doing everything you're doing, Ray. Being a great dad. Thank you. It, it was it, it was it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for for the uh, for the opportunity. Yeah, and thanks for making it work. Sorry, I don't know what was up last week, but do you love to listen to audio as much as I do? Have you ever tried an audio book? As a fan of this podcast, you must already enjoy listening to stories just like the other green future growers. Well, the Organic Gardener podcast has teamed up with Audible to offer you a free audio book. Just go to www.organicgardenerpodcast forward slash book or type book into the search bar at the organicgardenerpodcast.com and you can get listening to your first audio book today. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon for just $26.95. And it's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis. Um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden. And just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey, uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for mother earth. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.